Hi, everybody. I'm Terry Henney, farm broadcaster at WSGW Radio in Saginaw, Michigan. And we're talking beans. Yeah, I'm talking beans. Michigan beans, a staple for a lot of farms for many, many years here in Michigan. And I want to be talking beans with a guy that knows a little bit about beans. He's been involved in the bean industry for a long, long time. And now he's the executive director of the Michigan Bean Commission. Hey, Joe Kramer. How you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Terry. Thank you for that introduction. I, I hope that doesn't make me sound too old. <laughs> well, me either. <laughs> Joe, let's talk a little bit about why we should be talking beans. Well, Terry, first of all, I appreciate the opportunity that you and the folks at FD, FG, WSGW are give, have given us and in in being able to tell our story a little bit. And I always think that uh, the folks who are funding the, the Michigan Bean Commission, in essence, the every bean grower in the state of Michigan is contributing. And the Bean Commission became law in 1965. So we've been at it a few years. And our focus is uh, not only the promotion or increased consumption of Michigan dry beans, but also how do we improve the the efficiencies and the, essentially the bottom line for growers uh, by funding research. And that can be anything that affects variety, uh, variety yield. Uh, it could be anything that uh, improves nutritional value. So we've got a, we've got a great story to tell and uh, appreciate you giving us a little bit of a platform to be able to do that. Dry beans were always a big part of agriculture in Michigan and then we did see a decrease, a decrease in planted acreage. We saw the acreage shuffle over into other parts of North America. But now over the past few years, and it takes a little bit of time, we're finally beginning to see the dry bean industry moving back into Michigan. We, we've got some hurdles to jump over. And, of course, when you take a look at what's going on right now, Joe, uh, with the prices, especially after the first of the year, we're seeing a lot of pressure. Our growers are taking a look at corn. They're taking a look at soybeans. They're taking a look at wheat, a lot of other crops. And they're saying, hey, I can make some pretty good money. And, you know, what? as we talk over the next uh, several weeks and months, we're going to be talking about the bottom line when it comes to uh, raising dry beans. But obviously it all starts with seed, seed availability. Some growers, they really do like their favorite seed because it's done well for them. Let's talk a little bit about seed here in Michigan. Sure. I, I think uh, your earlier comment, as we saw that acreage shift, um, essentially could fall under the heading of risk management. So we have, uh, we have a flood in 1986, for those of you that can remember back that far. And I think that took, um, got the attention of a lot of canning companies and said, we need to diversify our acreage. So we're, we're not dependent on, what, six or seven counties in the state of Michigan to produce all of our beans for us. So uh, you saw you saw acreage move west, especially into the Mindac growing region where they were already growing a fair amount of pinot beans, but it became part of risk management. And, and over the years, um, risk management became part of our seed production program too. Um, 
Terry, farmers in, in your neighborhood, right, right around, right around your home uh, and elsewhere in the state produced the bulk of Michigan's dry bean seed. Uh, it was managed through uh, Michigan Crop Improvement Association. And, and there were certified seed growers that, that essentially um, provided the, the seed that the entire state used. But uh, the, the disease pressure that was created or uh, pressure on that crop eventually forced that toward particularly Idaho, which had some pretty stringent uh, seed laws, some rules and regulations there that um, Western seed became the, the go-to. And, and over the years, um, that's, that's just continued. And, and now I would say the bulk, certainly 90-plus percent of Michigan's acreage, driving acreage, is produced from Western seed. Um, but, but this year, you and I spoke a couple weeks ago about seed availability. And, and again, this year, we've got some shortness in several of the preferred choices, uh, the preferred varieties. Um, most of that is due to... Uh, a September 8th frost out in Idaho and uh, reaching up into Wyoming, maybe uh, maybe even into Canada a little bit that uh, that took a took its toll on our seed production. So here we sit again with um, several of our preferred preferred varieties that that we can't get our hands on. So I, I keep asking myself the question: are, are we at a point where our climate has changed enough for industry around us that used to have our acreage has changed enough that maybe maybe just to assure ourselves of of seed availability we ought to have a a, a stronger or sort of a rebirth if you will of our of our Michigan grown seed um, I'm not saying that's the answer but I think it's an alternative for growers that maybe we haven't looked at uh, we certainly have got it in our head that if it isn't western seed it's not the best you can get I don't know if that's I don't know today if that's still true uh, I'm assuming that it is There's certainly nothing wrong with Western grown seed other than if you can't get it, uh, certainly some Michigan grown seed would, would uh, be better than not having what you wanted. Do we have uh, much Michigan grown seed available right now? Uh, there, I don't know. I honestly, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I don't think that there's a lot available, but there's certainly some. Uh, I know that up around the Auburn area, they're uh, reaching up toward Linwood. There's a fair amount of, of uh, seed production right there that uh, guys could take a look at as an alternative. Um, we actually invited uh, the leadership from Michigan Crop, Crop Improvement to our next uh, Bean Commission meeting uh, just to give us a little update. How many, how many growers are there in Michigan uh, producing dry bean seed today for you? Uh, what's the availability? What's the performance been looking like? And, of course, we test those uh, through Scott Bales' research efforts, so we, we have a good handle on what, what they will do in uh, in a field. So it was disease that drove us toward western seed, and maybe it's availability that, from a risk management standpoint that maybe we ought to take another look at that. Uh, again, I'm not lobbying for that. I'm suggesting that is something that that growers might want to consider well you bring up a really good point joe uh, we're talking research and research takes money where are we getting the money right now for the research that we're doing well uh, good good question um certainly the michigan bean commission 
and the Production Research Advisory Board have been successful securing some dollars from uh, USDA that help fund some driving research here in Michigan, uh, particularly through Michigan State University. Um, but all of the public universities that, that are doing dry bean genetics research, whether it's Colorado or North Dakota State, Michigan State, Nebraska, um, they all derive funding for some funding for those programs through royalties on on seed sales. So it's a it's another it's another great way to drive some dollars back into those programs. And and of course, like everything, every program could use more dollars. Um, so we've seen some great varieties come out of Michigan State uh, over the years. Uh, we we have had uh, up until last July when Dr. Kelly retired, we had the premier breeder uh, right here in our at our own land grant university, and uh, and, and of course we're going to miss Dr. Kelly in, in in his many 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 years and contributions to our industry. But uh, Michigan State was in my opinion, wise enough to replace him. We've got uh, Dr. Francisco Gomez that's that's filling that uh, that hole that Dr. Kelly uh, created when he walked out the door. Um, but he's, he's left us with a lot of good um, research on the shelf, if you will, and Dr. Gomez is going to continue that. We, we, um, we can see or, or encourage or help support those projects with uh, with seed sales and, and royalties that come back into that program. And, of course, the, the Bean Commission is, is going to continue to try to um, garner dollars for those folks as well. We're talking beans with Joe Kramer, Executive Director of the Michigan Bean Commission. Uh, and this guy, when you mention the Bean Commission, what role is the Bean Commission taking on right now in order to enhance the opportunity to do more research? Uh, another good question, Terry. We um, we try to set priorities annually, and we discuss the priorities annually uh, that give us the roadmap for the next three to five years, as best we can see in uh, in that crystal ball. So, in March, you, usually uh, the, it's usually historically been the first week in March. This year, it's going to be March seventeenth. We have what what we've always called our research priorities roundtable meeting. Uh, we we invite uh, gr- growers from all over the state to to sit with us and and talk to us about what's working on their farm, what isn't working on their farm. Uh, the just the discussion takes place amongst their their fellow growers. It's my favorite meeting of the year because the guys always fascinate me with some of the what I'll call minor little things that they do differently from the next farmer to improve their yield. You kind of see their, their ears perk up a little bit and their eyes open up a little bit when they hear what, uh, what one farmer is doing that they hadn't thought about yet. And, and so I think uh, through that, those discussions, uh, we set our direction. So we're currently in phase two, which would be our second year of updating our fertility recommendations. Uh, there's a third phase to that, and uh, Scott Bales, our our driving specialist, uh, will will manage that research. So, right now, our our industry uh, research effort here is focused on on fertility and how how have today's genetics changed, and and how should we be adapting our fertility to those changes? And uh, we're going to know we we continue to learn about that, uh, and we and we will going forward. 
at the same time, we're we're working on a flower project. As you know, we've been working on it for quite a while. Uh, COVID has set us back uh, six or eight months, I would say, nine months um, on some of that capability. But uh, we continue to believe there's some opportunity there. And uh, we actually have a third grant that we're working through right now that's just a communications grant. How do we how do we better tell our story to the consumer? Uh, so we've got we've got two or three things going on right now, and uh, I would say fertility is the closest relationship to the seed that we have uh, at the moment. I'm real curious when we talk about the research and we talk about what the demand is, uh, our customers, what are they looking for? And then, of course, you mentioned the virus. Um, are we researching different types of dry beans and how they might be more susceptible easier to work with when we make our flour and some of the other dishes that we're thinking about? Yeah, for sure. We, uh, and I've learned so much about that just watching this project over the last few months, but you know, the, their, their private sector also has an investment in the, in the edible bean uh, milling industry. Uh, our friends at ADM have spent millions and millions of dollars and are doing a great job uh, producing flour we're we're trying to complement that if you will we're working with a little some i would say some newer not newer but different uh, milling techniques that at least so far uh i've had the opportunity to, to eat some pasta that uh, some black bean pasta that was generated through this milling uh technology that boy oh boy you can't t- you just can't tell the difference between uh, the texture in your mouth and the taste of, of this black bean pasta versus regular pasta, uh, wheat pasta that we're used to eating. Um, but the nutritional fortification is significantly better. So uh, we, we, we're pretty excited about where that's going. We think the demand will continue to grow. Uh, you and I have talked about the uh, plant future, uh, plant-based protein, uh, the the various kinds of diets that are out there today that feed right into uh, increasing bean consumption, and we're we're really excited about where that's going. Uh, COVID has got people like you and I eating at home more. Uh, our families are are cooking, I would say in my case, cooking better, uh, cook thinking healthier. Uh, I think we're typical, so we end up with a. Um, a consumer base that, that, that beans just really fit in well with. So I'm, I'm frustrated that it's, uh, that we've been slowed down by COVID on our flower project, but COVID has probably done more for bean consumption, uh, in, in, in around the globe really than, than anything that we've done over the past 30 or 40 years. So I don't know the percentage that our, that our industry is up, but I, I think across the board, it's it, you could conservatively say 20% and, and be pretty close in terms of uh, bean consumption. So we, we're we pretty excited about where that is and where it's going. Um, we're just, like I said, we're discouraged that it's taken a while. And again, we bring the circle back around to the beginning. It's all about the availability of seed and the opportunity of a producer to raise a crop. So seed sales, what are we looking at? Uh, how are producers going to know? Uh, but one thing, I'm real curious. You've mentioned Scott, Scott Bales, a couple of times. 
is he readily available uh, to us? I mean, can we chit-chat with him if we wanted to? Absolutely. Terry, you, uh, Scott is uh, just a bundle of energy. He's uh, he's a wealth of knowledge, even at a what I think of as a really young age. Uh, but yeah, we're really excited to have Scott on our team, and and uh, his phone number is all over our website. His email address is on our website. Uh, I can get that to you if anybody wants to reach out to me. But yeah, Scott is uh, extremely responsive. If he doesn't know the answer, I'm so impressed that with his ability to get the answer back to me, and and it usually takes about ten minutes. Um, and, and his answer kind of drowns me because he probably talks over my head a little bit, uh, just just because of his more in-depth knowledge of of, of beans and it, it, just more technical really than I am. So, yeah, he's he's great. He's gonna be uh, he's gonna be the shining star for our industry for a long, long time. So we're um, we're real excited to have him on board. So you mentioned the website. Why don't you give us that website as we wrapped up this podcast today? Sure. It's uh, www.michiganbean.com. My phone number, 989-262-8550. My email address, jkramer, C-R-A-M-E-R, at michiganbean.com. And uh, we'd love to have you take a a look at our website and... uh, you can you can maneuver around in there. You can look at past research. There's a research archive in there, uh, some latest news, certainly a calendar. And Terry, I would I would add everyone is more than welcome to attend any of our Bean Commission meetings, uh, see what's going on, see what we're working on, see what we're talking about. Uh, we always have a public comment uh, item on our on our every agenda. So uh, anybody that comes would would be more than welcome to share some thoughts with us on on what we're doing, what they think we should be doing, what they'd like to see us doing. And if we're doing something they don't like, we we need to hear about that as well. So always welcome for that. Joe Kramer, thank you very much. Talking Beans today with Joe Kramer, Executive Director of the Michigan Bean Commission. Joe, you have a great day, okay? Thanks, Terry. You too.